Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's John David here, and I just wanted to intro this episode where my employee Hunter is going to be taking one of our students and having them talk to someone who is in the analytics space. Now, this guest might be someone who just got their first analytics job, as they, I can guarantee you, have some insights that they can help our students. Or it might be someone with years and years of experience that can provide a much wider scope of advice. The students are coming from our analytics career services or our apprenticeship programs. And if you want to learn more about how you can join, head over to learn.silvertoneanalytics.com and click on career services or apprenticeship, and you might actually be interested in signing up. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy the conversation. What's up, guys? How are we doing? Welcome back to everyone watching. Welcome back to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. And today we've got two beautiful people on the podcast. We've got Alex Epperly and oh, don't look around, Pete. We got Pete Christensen and uh, Alex. Welcome to the channel. Thank you so much, Hunter. Thank you for having me. And uh, not sure you know what you're getting yourself into, goodness, <laughs> but you know, hopefully, I don't embarrass us too badly. <laughs> no. Well, so so what? So you are a fraud analyst. Talk us through that. What's a fraud analyst? So, you know, there fraud analyst means like a lot of different things. Um, And, you know, like so many of the terms in our little field, our data science field. And this one actually kind of goes both within data science and outside of it. Um, I can't really talk too much about the exact specifics of what I do. probably for kind of obvious reasons, but what fraud analytics or I guess fraud analytics and fraud analysis are two different things, really. Fraud analytics is more, you know, data oriented stuff, basically to find out 
to try to discover fraud and fraud analysis encompasses, I guess that would be like the bigger circle encompassing many, many different parts of that realm from, you know, looking through, um, and this is just in general, it's not necessarily what I do, but just, you know, looking through bank records to, you know, somebody actually sitting there monitoring transactions to literally like a physical person at a bank looking through stuff to all the way to like machine learning. Um, so a really common form of, I guess you could almost call fraud detection that we all actually benefit from all the time, just to give you guys an example, is uh, with credit cards. That's probably where one of the biggest, I'm guessing, I don't know, I don't have the numbers, so don't quote me, but I'm guessing that's where a lot of the sort of development in the field and stuff that would inter interest us data nerds is, is like basically using machine learning to try to identify fraudulent transactions. So any of y'all that are, you know, maybe older enough to, to, to remember this, like, I don't know if this, this doesn't really happen to me anymore. Maybe it still happens to some people, but, um, I remember a time I was in college, right? And I was at Target, like buying a bunch of stuff for my dorm room, right? And it was like $600 worth of stuff, you know, for like an apartment, right? I was moving in, of course, like terrible planner. So I didn't have like any of this stuff that I needed. And I went to college uh, across the country. So I couldn't like necessarily bring stuff from my from my house. Um, go, go Ducks. I went to University of Oregon and I'm from Virginia. So anyways, I was in Target. I had this tons of stuff on the conveyor belt right and i swipe my card and they're like your car was declined and i'm like what what you know and i was there's the lines getting longer behind me people are getting annoyed you know i have so much stuff and i like have to call my credit card company and they're like we saw you made a purchase in eugene oregon but you're from mm -hmm. virginia so we canceled the card you know and i was like yeah but i'm going to school here like this is definitely me can you please reactivate it <laughs> So that doesn't happen as much anymore because of machine learning. Basically, they figure out and they probably also have some of your other data. <laughs> like they probably know. Yeah, they're probably collecting stuff from other from They other probably websites, would know cookies, today, that but I'm going to school there. So right. like they wouldn't cancel it. But basically, there are algorithms that learn that. Mm. You know, and that's like every credit card company pretty much puts a ton of money into that. And I don't really get those cancellations and stuff anymore. And, and fraudulent charges get caught like a lot faster. So that's kind of, that's not at all what I do, but that's just kind of an example of, it can be all the way from that to somebody like literally looking through, physically looking through bank statements. For I gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, anything that doesn't have make that scenario that you just described happen again, uh, I'm perfect. I'm, I'm happy with that. That yeah, sounds absolutely. so, so fraud analysis. You, you didn't start out in fraud analysis though. No. So no. I, when we were talking earlier, you went through something like how many different choices? Oh my, you mean how many different careers? Yeah, different basically? Career choices. Oh God. Okay. So um, any of you that are like seeing this, you can probably see like some guitars and stuff here in the background. So, you know, naturally I wanted to be a rock star, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And I still kind of think of myself that way. Right. But um, that's not a very good way to make money. And it's actually like pretty hard to do that because you're touring and stuff. And I never went on tour, but I have like friends that did. And, you know, a lot of them are 
IT people now. <laughs> am I allowed to ask? Am I allowed to ask what the name of your band was? Uh, I, I had a bunch, man. It was like it was like punk bands and metal bands and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, ask me offline. I don't want anybody looking that <laughs> stuff up, dude. Um, not because it's like secret, because some of it's not that good. But um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, obviously I didn't do that, and I was not a good student in high school whatsoever. Uh, I was a good test taker, so I got into college, and I think uh, my school wanted that out of state money, probably. So I got a good SAT score and everything. Uh, went there, absolutely phoned it in at first. You know, it was kind of like summer camp for some of those eighteen, and. Um, had to take a little break uh, because I was not focused on working uh, in school. And I came back and I was like, all right, you know, I'm not going to waste money this time. Like actually going to try. And I took a sociology class by like an awesome teacher. He's just one of those guys that just is infectious, like his love of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, I don't hate this. I'll do this, you know? And I basically ended up focusing in like criminal justice, like criminology, because I don't know, I think a little bit of it, a little bit of it is the criminal mind, you know, we got a little bit of that. And then uh, it's also just really fascinating. And to this day is something that's very fascinating to me. And I uh, took, I was really good at Spanish too. So I ended up double majoring and, and, and I always thought I was terrible because I failed Spanish in high school, but that was a little bit because of paying attention wasn't my strong suit. And um, so I ended up majoring in that also. And then I went to go, you know, college ended and I was like, all right, what the hell am I going to do now? (laughs) So um, I went to go teach English in Spain for two years. Um, just happened to go to this little like presentation the Spanish government gave of my college trying to recruit like native English speakers to go there. Mm-hmm. It's really smart to, like to get kids, high school kids in Spain to want to learn English more like smart idea to put native speakers in the class as like an assistant to like encourage them to actually talk, you know, yeah. to talk. And that was, that was a blast, man. I, I love I love Spain. Um, I got a lot of friends there and, uh, you know, maybe I don't, some of them will hear this at some point. And um, yeah, so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I really like teaching, but I've always been interested in psychology. Mm -hmm. This is a long answer, man. (laughs) That's going to happen a lot. Sorry. Well, so the total number is something around what, 10 or 15 different career choices you had? Yeah. Like probably like, so the thing is, I've gone like full bore in a few of them, though. Like, right. so I like got a master's in clinical psych yeah. and worked in that field, both as a researcher and like, you know, uh, pra- pra- like practicing. Yeah. So like, do, do you use a lot of, uh, so do you use a lot of what you learned in the past years in analytics today? Or is it? Is it just pit, bits and pieces from each one kind of deal? That's a great question. And I appreciate the kind redirect uh, to, to answer your question. <laughs> um, yeah, actually I do. I would say, so I actually had a stat professor in undergrad mm-hmm. for my criminology. And, you know, I was absolutely dreading taking that class, you know, just statistics, right? Me this year. 
<laughs> I had another one of those professors that like was so into it and just so cool. Like she was a tough professor, but she like loved it so much and was cool and like taught it, you know, and just, it was infectious. And I was like, this is actually cool. And like, she basically revealed like the power of it to us, you know, mm -hmm. of like, wow, like this is what you can determine through these crazy Greek letters. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I got into it then. And then in grad school, all, all the stats, dude. And in fact, like, you know, I was at first surprised by how clinical psych in grad school, a lot of the time is more data science than anything else, to be honest. And, you know, if anyone else out there has gone to like grad school for uh, any kind of STEM thing or, or clinical psych or whatever, they're, they're probably going to back that up. It's, it's a lot of research and crunching numbers and stuff like that. And at first I was like, yeah, but I want to learn how to do therapy. But then I got into it because mm -hmm. you can't determine what a good therapy modality is until you have good research on it. Mm -hmm. And even then, you know, they always joke that a scientist's strongest endorsement of something is saying, the research appears to show <laughs> that perhaps this would be a good avenue for further research. Maybe. Maybe. Exactly. That's like, this definitely works. <laughs> right, some, right. So, so, yes, to answer your question, I do use a lot of that stuff. Um, and the teaching skills, I was talking with somebody about this the other day, is it, are invaluable. Because I also taught high school in, in D.C., uh, mm -hmm. in the city, uh, which was, there's never a dull moment doing that. And well, so I'd imagine, so I'd imagine learning good teaching skills would also lead to learning valuable learning skills for you as well. And yeah, if so this is going to be, so if you learn some picked up some learning skills there what are some of those for you personally because you just you just entered data analytics uh it's been what about a year at this point yeah i mean so officially learning like professional in the sense of like what a business uses it's mm -hmm. been a year okay um but to but be like well like you said the researching and whatnot yeah and to be honest that's the stat that's used, the statistics that's used in academia is, I'm probably going to get some hate for saying this, but it's usually more complicated. Mm -hmm. Like it, there's a lot, cause you got scientists arguing about things. So they're always trying to outdo one another with proving that this is better or whatever. So manovas and all that kind of stuff. Um, learning skills. That's a great question. Well, sometimes when you're a, public school teacher there you you guys may know that there's not always an insane amount of funding for that mm -hmm. so sometimes you end up having to teach some things that you're like i don't know this <laughs> i don't know how to i don't know this so i had to teach science stuff sometimes uh -huh. like hard science which you know brought back uh mild traumatic memories for me of like physics class and stuff like that and something I actually recommend to people a lot, and some, some people might think this is funny, but is getting kids or young adult books on something. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the time, especially something you don't know very well, a lot of the time, if you go straight to like the adult book 
right? It's like so they already assume some level of knowledge or comprehension. They just start going, you know, it just loses me, at least for me, it loses me pretty quickly sometimes. Um, So I would actually go to the library and get like young adult books out about Mm -hmm. certain topics. Mm -hmm. And I swear to God, to this day, I actually have how to teach your kids computer science. It's like a DK book, right? Yeah. And it is was an incredible primer on a lot of topics in computer science for me because it's probably directed at like directed at parents but like so kids can read it also so it's you know probably like a 12 13 14 year old like a smart 12 13 14 year old level yeah and i always start with kid stuff and also going to the simple english wikipedia Sometimes for science and data science topics, IT stuff or whatever, if you go to the regular Wikipedia page for something, mm-hmm. it becomes crazy complicated in the first paragraph. I don't know if yeah. you guys ever experienced that. I've experienced this firsthand. Dude, go to the language section and change it to simple English. Mm. And it's designed for helping, I think, a lot of the time for people that are learning English as a second language to understand something. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's me because I understand that a lot of the time. Like, okay, I had no idea what this says in the regular English one, but then I changed it to simple English. And I'm like, oh, okay, I understand that. Well, uh, I did. So I took a religion class back in, back in freshman year. And uh, mm-hmm. I actually would do that with the reading the Bible because I just didn't. Oh, yeah. Know. Oh yeah, yeah, convoluted. It's hard to understand. Simple English. Oh, okay, that's what they're saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, That and then googling things. uh, There's an incredible subreddit called Eli Five. Explain like I'm five. And I pretty much, when I encounter just about any new concept, I mean, at this point, I don't have to do this as much. But I still try to do this. I Google it and type ELI5 because sometimes God bless these people that like that write medium blogs and stuff like that. But sometimes if I'm trying to learn a new concept, uh, like I remember I was trying to learn more about Kubernetes a while back, right? Mm-hmm. Please don't put me on the spot to explain that incredibly well to you right now. <laughs> but I remember just being at a loss for understanding what exactly, I mean, I knew kind of knew what it meant, but, and I kind of knew how it worked, but I finally was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ELI five this. And I went and it was a dude explaining it (laughs) through the analogy of like somebody delivering a pizza. And it was (laughs) like the most incredible, it had like a thousand upvotes because it was like, and it was probably like, three, four paragraphs long, but it was like really funny. And, you know, people afterwards were like, senior dev can confirm this is accurate. Best explanation I've ever seen. And it was like, I understood it. Yeah. Again, don't put me on the spot right now. I might try to direct you to that page, but, but that was amazing. So I try to do that even for things like, I think I understand pretty well, you know, I go do that. So yeah. Well, so, so this, for example, this, this video is going to be going up on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I am a major proponent personally of YouTube. I use oh, YouTube yeah, whenever, so whenever, whatever, uh, software I'm using at the time, power, power BI, Tableau, SQL, entry level SQL is where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Tab, YouTube videos are great. 
They're usually oh, yeah. some kind of a complete walkthrough. Mm-hmm. Usually there's some guy that has already figured out the exact problem that you're having. And it's like, okay, why am I sitting here looking at a problem for two days straight when I could just Google it and this guy's already done it, right? And now it's Absolutely. like, now you've got that going in your head. So it's like, oh, I remember when that, I, I did this before. What project did I do this on? And then you can start referencing yourself kind of deal. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Dude, absolutely cannot agree more. Um, I, YouTube, anything I buy now, like I don't even, and a lot of the time they don't even send manuals anymore, man. Yeah. They know you're going to go on YouTube. Right. They, like, they just know that's what you're going to do. So when I'm trying to get anything to work, not only do they have like a video on every product, there's like a explanation of like you're saying dude like specific issues with it right (laughs) (laughs) and 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 with any data tool anything like that uh, it's already happened like i bought i'm proud to say i have uh one of the fancy new you know m1 macbook pros here and uh y'all might have heard there's been some um you know with the different chip in it there's mm-hmm. been some compatibility issues uh, with certain they, they're getting mostly worked out at this point, but like a lot of machine learning stuff was not really uh, made for prime time yet on the silicon chip. Mm-hmm. So I was having some issues getting some things set up on here, especially like VM stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this professor at Washington University in St. Louis, Jeff Heaton, had like literally and he he continues to put videos up about it he like it was almost as if he heard the problems i was having installing python in my computer with the m1 chip and was just like hey alex like here's all the answers to everything you've had like all the problems you've had about this obviously didn't say my name in the video but it was incredible it was like an entire walkthrough of how to set it up and yeah i don't i don't know if i could i would even have it right now if it weren't for that so I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Andy Kreeble as well for Tableau Tip Tuesdays. He's been doing that for years. That's and uh, I think he single-handedly carried me through my first ever consulting engagement. So props to him as Absolutely. well. You know, we I was even thinking actually about doing some just shout outs real quick. Anyway, <laughs> talking about learning on YouTube, man. Yeah. Uh, Alex Freeberg, incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, had a video basically where he described like, his predicament in life of like, what am I going to do with myself now? 
you know, forgive me, Alex, if I'm wrong about this piece. Like, I basically don't really like care about anything. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what I don't have any skills or whatever. And and he got into data science, so that was super inspiring for me. And I was like, well, I've actually like done some of this before because uh, I was at a point in my life where, you know, COVID happened and it really hurt. Like, the psych practice, like my part of the psych practice, like got hurt by that. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't as well established as some of the other people that just had consistent clients all the time and everything like that. And so I was, I was in, I was in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. So, um, Alex Freeberg really helped a lot with that. Alex, the analyst, go look him up. You guys probably already all watch that, but, uh, watch his channel. Luke Bruce. Yeah. Bruce. I mean, I'm going to forget people, but, or, uh, or you can also watch our videos on the, how to get an analyst. I was literally podcast. just going to say that. So, kids. When and not to get too meta here, but like when Hunter, you know, reached out to me about this, I was like, no way, dude, really? Like, <laughs> the inmate, you're giving the inmate a key <clears throat> to be stuck <laughs> here, man. Um, I mean, I usually feel like that in most situations, but, um, dude, this podcast, you know, single handedly helped me a lot too, man, especially in times where I was, you know, starting to doubt myself a little bit of like, you know, what are you doing, man? Like, you don't really know like what you're doing or whatever. I would just put this on, especially if I was like driving somewhere or whatever. And I would get like super inspired by hearing, cause I didn't necessarily like physically have data people in my circle yet. Right. You no. Know? And, and even to this, I, I've kind of found them over time and also realized that like some friends I haven't talked to in a while, like that's what they're doing now. So we kind of like reconnected, but I didn't really necessarily have anybody I could go like complain to or whatever, like, you know, commiserate about, you know, trying to learn some of this stuff or whatever, trying to get into the field. And listening to this podcast was so helpful and informative about so many things that I like, it's an, it's truly like an honor to be on here. And and I, I hope I don't, you know, besmirch the name of your podcast <laughs> forever. I don't think I've said anything too dumb yet, but we'll see. We got like, at least 30 yeah, well, we, yeah, we got another 30 minutes going, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basically about learning, though, uh, to kind of come back to that. Um, you cannot <clears throat> teach curiosity. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you have, if you're curious and you maybe even have a little bit of that obsessive mind, right, of like, I need to know how this works. Like, I definitely have that. Yeah, a little bit of the um, I will not stop <laughs> until I get this to work. Right, that, that really comes in handy in, in 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 data science and data analytics, man. Because yeah, trust me, you're gonna have some stuff that ain't gonna work at first, like a lot. Like I know I did. Maybe maybe some of you guys won't because you're just better than me at this stuff. But so just constantly trying to learn new things and hunter and i were talking a little bit about this before we started is like you know sometimes like picking something to go with because i know i've had the problem where either a i'm overwhelmed by how many paths there are and how many tools there are to learn Mm -hmm. or like i'm so excited about how many different things there are to learn. I'm like, I'm gonna do this Power BI class. I'm gonna do the SQL. Okay, then after that, I'm gonna- Becomes overwhelming. Dude, it, and it gets, it's cool. Some people can maybe do that. I still do it, <laughs> but I usually end up giving up and focusing on something, like one thing, right? You know, more or less. 
Well, it's content overload. I mean, absolutely. To a, to a certain extent, like for me personally, even you know, there's some YouTube videos about and about data and analytics that I'll just I'll just put on and just for just for the fun of watching it. You know, it's like absolutely. not even not even necessarily I'm going to glean much meaning meaning out of it, but just just to have something on. It's almost totally. like it's like learning entertainment, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I hundred percent. Like I. Uh... You know, I never thought I would be, you know, a programmer per se, but the uh, data science of which I already had a little, you know, experience in statistics and academia has provided that stepping stone into the world of coding and all that stuff like that um, to the point of where <clears throat> Like you were saying, Hunter, I like just was watching a video about JavaScript mm -hmm. and that stuff is really helpful for a lot of us to know, but it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with data science per se on the surface. But like, I found myself just having it on. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to write too much JavaScript, <laughs> but I just want to see how the, the syntax is, you know what I mean? Right. I want to try to be able to, I want to try to be able to recognize what language I'm looking at exactly yeah and one of the main things is like if you can tell what the comments the comment symbol is it's a that's one giveaway for uh, languages and stuff but um yeah i don't want to go too crazy tangent man direct us if you have yeah well so well so you're talking about now we're talking about coding language here sure. um this so this you may or may not be able to answer this question what kind of what kind of software and coding languages got you to where you are? What kind of stuff, I, not necessarily are you using right now, but you know, what, what built you up? What built up your knowledge? What built up? Yeah, that was a, that was well asked Hunter. That was adroitly maneuvered right there. Um, yeah, and just to, to be clear, it's uh, basically I, job i have like i'm sure a lot of people you have on here just about any private company like they don't want you to come on here well here is the complete tech stack that i use and here's everything we do at work you know right. like i can't do that so i'll try to you know give you a general answer um and and we were also talking about this before i think it was more the demonstration of i understand the concepts behind this stuff really well um i understand the structure of data not necessarily how to always put it into place and definitely not you know when i started right right but i think for those getting into the field making it abundantly clear that you understand the concepts and that you have the curiosity to learn like, because it's sort of like, you know, any, anybody to, to use a music analogy here, right? Anybody that sits there for long enough is going to be able to learn how to play some scales on a guitar mm -hmm. and is eventually going to be able to shred like, you know, really well if they just practice a lot. Right. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer that anyone can do that on guitar. Yeah. People tell, oh, I'm not musical. I'm like, dude, it's because you haven't like played music <laughs> a lot of the time. Like 
I wasn't either when I was younger. Shout out to my mom for forcing me to stick with guitar a long time ago. But, but if you don't have the curiosity to learn, like nobody can really make you do that. Like right. that's no, you're not really going to, no one can come like force you. There's no Udemy class on like getting curious about mm -hmm. getting interested, how to get interested in data. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's not to say I didn't have a grasp of the tools because I did. Right. And I showed them like, Hey, look, here's some stuff that I've done. And one thing, and I would say sequel, uh, basically some of the best advice i've gotten if you're getting into go ahead go ahead i want to i want to steal Please. something out of there real quick Please. you there was just one little part you said i showed them the stuff that i've done yeah 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 and, so and, that's how, that's thinking about like a public portfolio kind of deal yes and and i think that people probably you know people gonna hate on this probably but I think it doesn't even have to be incredibly advanced or anything like that, because that would almost be disingenuous in some ways, right? They're gonna be like, this dude just forked everything off GitHub, <laughs> which is fine. Forking and copying is cool as long as you, you know, add your own stuff. And I like to give little shout outs in the comments and whatever, but, mm. um, you know, anybody can copy and paste. And, but, but to show that like, look, like I did some stuff, even if it's fumbling and mumbling, I'm willing to learn and I'm trying, you know, and somebody that has like the personality and willingness to learn stuff right? You know, is that a lot of the time that's the difference, to be honest. Like I've been at many jobs where like, you know, there are people there that just like didn't care at all you know we're just showing up and i'm not saying you know you necessarily need to love your job or anything like that but i always like was like i want to learn how this stuff works you know i want to actually be able to do it as best as i can so you know in kind of a general sense basically like i showed them some of the stuff that i worked on and it now i even look at it i'm like man some of the stuff is really wrong even but you probably well you probably also talked a little bit about like the impact that the work you did made you know like selling well selling yourself in a certain extent well how how well this is a good question so how do you go about selling yourself as a person because i, like I reached i mean i reached i reached out to you because uh, you had an impressive linkedin portfolio <laughs> which which i stand by that by the way very impressive i appreciate that man um well I may not be the best person to ask this because um, I've had a little bit of an unorthodox approach. If you read any of my LinkedIn posts, in fact, I think some people might be might hear this or listen to this, but like, wow, this guy's not like a complete moron just posting ridiculous memes all the time because that's kind of what I do on LinkedIn. A little bit of that is born out of the fact that, as I've mentioned, you know, I I uh, have to be very assiduous in what I talk about on LinkedIn in terms of, you know, anything that is sensitive or important or whatever. So sometimes I want to jump into a discussion with people about something, but I just don't because I'm like, I can't talk about that. Mm -hmm. So, but I can post memes. Yeah. And so I try to make, you know, put up stuff that's relevant to 
you know the nerds in our community are so, so you play you play the community game a little bit yeah i mean i've i was i was a little bit of a class clown back in the day uh some people might dispute the little bit part um <laughs> so that's kind of in my nature and i have connected with a lot of people on linkedin that are like dude your stupid jokes are on point like yeah you can relate you know what well, I mean? How, hev how heavily would you say that that networking played into getting your current job? To be honest, um, I don't know the answer to that because I wasn't a LinkedIn person, really. Now, I had a updated profile that I'd gotten a lot of advice about. I have a lot of friends that – I got a lot of friends that work for tech companies, man. <laughs> No, but seriously, you know, and then um, Amazon's like opening their new HQ2, like pretty much yeah. down the street from my house. And so you got friends there and other places. And and uh, they gave me some brutal advice sometimes. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you'll hear stuff that hurts your delicate sensibilities, say about your resume or something like that. And mm -hmm. it's been a really good lesson. And taking advice uh by that i'm referring to you know i had a friend go through my resume he works at he works at a fang company and he was just like yeah get get rid of this nobody cares you know nobody cares about this delete this you know yeah we know this is like your precious little project but no one's gonna look at this delete it yeah and he was like funny about it, it wasn't quite like that necessarily you know um cut and dry but um mm -hmm. Well, a little bit it was. He's like, he's like, delete that part. You don't need that. No one's gonna look at that. They're gonna look at your resume for 10 seconds. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so, you know, I had a little bit of like, well, I never at first, but taking that advice and like working on the LinkedIn profile, um, just to make it, you know, it's perfect, just making it clean, man. Like right. trying to make it as clean as possible. In case you guys can't tell, I can be a little bit like da 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 sometimes so you know occasionally posts will get long descriptions of things will get long and well just well just before we started recording i showed you the uh thumbnail and i'd say that looks very professional yeah so. yeah 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 i'm wearing i'm pretty sure i'm wearing gym shorts in that picture man in the bottom yeah. but uh you know but that's everybody does that now <laughs> yells everybody everybody does that so um yeah just making making sure things look presentable but then you, I'm a big fan. Some people might disagree with this, but I just cannot play the, I personally cannot always play the like standard lines of like what people say a game. I mean, sometimes I have to, you know, sometimes that we all have to do that, but yeah, I think a little bit of my brand, so to speak, has always been uh, to some extent that it's pretty easy to get along with me and well, that let's I, talk I, about personal branding first sure. because everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses in the analytics field and i would say that it's very clear that yours is that you're a people person you're very good at talking with people um i'd say that many data analysts however are probably a little bit more numbers numbers oriented yes so for those that are listening that are more number oriented, how would you recommend that they go about, you know, becoming more acclimated with a business environment? 
Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, how would I recommend that? And, and to be clear, like, I think it's funny. I wouldn't describe myself as a people person, but I, I do get told that. Um, but I, I think that we're all kind of a mixture of introvert and extrovert. I yeah, personally, well, it's, it's, a, it's a blend. It's, it's, it's a blend. blend. It's but, a blend, you know, yeah. and if you want to start, get some clinical psych people riled up, <laughs> go start talking about introversion, extroversion with them. They'll be like, well, we it's, got, not, it's not just one thing or the other. It's like, da, 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 da. we've got some stuff coming up related to that on the Spotify. Oh, channel. cool. So make sure Sweet. if you're listening, check that out soon. Sweet. So, quick so like, I definitely get it, though. Like, I don't let my somebody referred to me as a court jester the other day. <laughs> don't let that will you like i can be very introverted and inward and you know nerdy about the numbers and stuff like that and yeah. i get that you know what i'm saying i totally get it so well there, there's would, nothing wrong with it but in absolutely. order to help you get an analytics job it absolutely. also is very important to be able to communicate what the numbers you're working on kind of do absolutely yeah 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 and um you know shout out to people that are you know shy about talking to people like i I feel that completely, you know, and, you know, a little bit of nervousness or whatever, trying to talk to other people. Like I'd be lying if I told you I was feeling calm and collected, you know, about coming on here. Like I was, I was like, Oh my God, I hope I don't say anything too dumb and all that stuff like that. So, um, how would, what advice would I give to people that are more numbers oriented is, I mean, it sounds like the, the trite and cliche thing to say, but um, just trying to work on communication skills. And that sounds like such an abstract concept. Like, what does that mean? You know, but I think this is something about like where teaching has probably helped me mm -hmm. is like how to explain. I heard uh, I heard somebody say this the other day is how to explain something to somebody so that they feel smart right for knowing it right you know and almost remove how can i explain the technical stuff to how would i and this is not to demean somebody you're explaining it to but how would i explain this to like a 10 year old right you know and i would say that almost more because of the attention span aspect right yeah. or you're gonna lose them pretty quickly <laughs> Right. No, well, really well going back to what you said earlier about, you know, um, the, the books that you were, you were simplified, simplified the things that you were learning. To yeah. Just make it easier to comprehend because mm -hmm. comprehension is, is key when it comes to showing somebody or absolutely learning something new. Yeah. Dude, you hit the nail on the head and like, you might think, you know, something I might think I know something real well. Like, I, I got this, you know, there's always somebody that knows more. I'm I was going to say until I try to explain it to somebody else. True. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you all have had that experience. Somebody asks you, I mean, this would happen to me a lot teaching because I taught ESL. English is a second, second language. Right. And a mm -hmm. kid would ask me, hey, you know, Mr. Alex, what does this word mean mm -hmm. in English? And I'd be like, like, they'd be like, what is, you know, what does bright mean? just random i'd be like you know like bright like not dark <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's yeah. like working on explaining that in a way you can practice that is like actually like i 
I use my parents sometimes as guinea pigs, right? It's like, try if I can explain this to my mom, mm-hmm. like, and keep her like interested and not scare her with right. the, the data numbers because she or like lose her or whatever. She's like, I don't want to know that. <laughs> like, if I can get the information to her, um, or my dad, for example, you know, when he's like trying to watch birds in the backyard, like, hey, dad, let, let me tell you about this dashboard, you know. Mm-hmm. Try not to, I try not to use the jargon terms or like just, if I can do that and keep them interested and they understand, that's good, man. You know, and, and, and try to remove, it can be hard to do that sometimes. It's harder than it sounds sometimes. And you, to your point, Hunter, you end up learning a lot, a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, like more than you necessarily might have needed to know to execute whatever strategy you did. Mm-hmm. But to be able to explain it is, I would actually say, more important almost because you might have done, and I'm sure you guys have probably heard this stuff before, like that are listening, but dude, you could have done the greatest analysis the world has ever seen, you mm-hmm. know, but. If your dashboard sucks, like What's nobody's the point? gonna care, dude. Like, I mean, I, I hate to say it like that, but you won't be able to. And I've I've run into this many times, like where, you know, I'm like, you know, Isaac Newton and the apple just fell on my head with what I've been doing. In the, I'm like, oh my god, I got it to work. It's alive, you know. And I go tell, I'm like, hey, like, listen, Mr. Boss, like, I did all this stuff, and they're like, yeah, but what does that mean? Right. Like, what is the, I don't understand what this. Well, a lot of get, a lot of people get hyper fixated on the, on the what and not on the why, uh, like, what's the point? What's the purpose? Yeah. Yeah, What's the point? And how can I give somebody, you know, the dirty details really quickly, you know, here's what this means. Um, as silly as it sounds, one thing that's been super helpful for me Mm -hmm. is learning how to write emails so that people read them yeah and just like the little this is probably where the psych background helps a lot and anybody that and you hear john david talk about this a good amount marketing strategies just internally of like please pay attention to this thing i'm sending yeah just little strategies like that and trust me for me keeping things less verbose is always a good practice uh, in case you can't tell and um, so, yeah, the, just things like that are super important. And don't be afraid. I mean, that's psych background. I just heard myself say, don't be afraid. That's It's okay to be afraid. Let me put it that way. It's okay. No, seriously. It's okay to be afraid and to be anxious about, like, talking to people and communicating things to them. Yeah. But it's it's a skill like any other that you can practice. And in my experience most people have some degree of nervousness or anxiety, especially if they're first starting out in something right? with communicating something that they've done to people. And if you can, you know, just work on that, understand like we're all in that boat. Everybody is, you know, everybody has their nervousness and fear and, and, you know, I'm not good at this. Like classic saying goes, there's a first time for everything. Dude, absolutely. And, I'm not advocating that, you know, anybody in the world can do anything they want at any given time. There's obviously limitations to all of that, but you know, the phrase, I'm just not good at this, or that's not for me. 
I can speak for myself has put up a lot of barriers in my life mm -hmm. over time that it's taken me a while, you know, I'm 34 now to realize that why did I do who decided that that wasn't for me or who decided, mm -hmm. when did I decide that I sucked at this or whatever? Like yeah. I thought I sucked at math for a long time, but it was really just kind of a story. I was telling myself, Oh, I'm not good at math. And actually now at 34 years old, like, and some teachers in high school would flip out if they ever heard me say this, but like, I like math. Yeah. I, I, I like it. I never thought I would have liked it. And I like math a lot. So don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short. Um, Cause as, as, I, as the saying goes, you know, if you got what you wanted, you'd shortchange yourself sometimes. Mm. So if you got what you thought you deserved, you'd shortchange yourself. So anyways random inspirational moment but it's true well it's really is true well so as we're approaching the 45 minute mark oh jesus okay. i want to i want to loop in pete a little bit here pete is one of yes. our apprentices he's been working with silvertone analytics for almost three months now and uh he, pete so you are you are essentially a transitioner into the data analytics space so what what's your take on some of the stuff? Do you have any questions for Alex or? Yeah, um, lots of questions. But the the first thing is just a ton of affirmation throughout all of this as you're you're talking about this stuff. Um, uh, I'm I'm super intrigued of the the language background and mm -hmm. how that plays into then the syntax of like SQL and some of these other things. And and that sense of of do you have a category of how those play together? And then I have some side questions and some other questions too. But but maybe You're that right. one to start. That's a great question. And shout out to Pete for being so patient while I yapped this whole time. Man, that was great. It's good to see you on here again. Um, yeah, that's a great question. So um, I speaking of things I thought I was bad at, I failed Spanish multiple times in high school uh i just kind of assumed i sucked at that you know it was another thing that i, I thought there's a lot of things i sucked at in high school mm -hmm. uh didn't have a very high opinion of myself in terms of studying or anything like that but like i said i found out i was pretty good at it in college because i was like actually tried had a cool teacher and um so i learned spanish and in an, in an interesting analogy to coding, right? You know, they always tell you, you got to do projects, right? You know, you can do all the Coursera, you can do data camp. All that stuff is incredible. I'm not saying it's not, you like honestly have to kind of do some of that at least. Mm -hmm. When you, when you get that SQL code in the wild, man, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be very different. Sometimes, especially looking at, you know, seven CTEs in a row and like all this, it's going to be a little bit different than that Udemy class looked, you know? Yeah. Well, man, I thought I was incredible at Spanish, Pete. You know, I learned, mm. I'd read, I'd read many books in Spanish, you know, but then I did a semester abroad in Mexico and I you know man my spanish is good dude i can read all these signs like this is cool like i kind of understand what people are saying and one day this like group of kids was like skateboarding or whatever you know they look like you know people i might hang out with or something like that and they came up and said something to me and i had no idea what they said 
and it was i'm sure it wasn't something that complicated at all right but i had no clue what they said at all and that was like that reality check of like damn i don't actually know this man. <laughs> you know? Uh, let's coin the phrase street sequel you want Dude, to street se- i love it man I, love <laughs> it. I, I can i even hear it with the little tm after yeah yeah um so that made me buckle down because I was surrounded by it all the time and I had no choice, you know, mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways, that's also a good analogy to how you really learn <laughs> some of this other stuff is have no choice. Like it's just all around you all the time. Like you better learn, you know, and I'm so then I moved to Spain. I was there for a long time. So I, you know, I, I, and I did a mixture of academic studying of it. At that point I was out of college. So it was in my own time and getting out there talking to people you know all that kind of stuff and trying to i basically tried to eliminate english from my life for a while wow and i did do that for a considerable amount of time um in, when i was living there so i really like didn't read almost any i mean yeah of course sometimes i did right or people would text me or something like that from back home but you know everything i would read would be in spanish like try to think about like everything in Spanish basically. So you can't do that with Python. <laughs> you can't do that with SQL, like select milk from fridge. You know, you can't, <laughs> I mean, but trying to surround yourself with it as much as you can and get, I can't stress enough as much as you can get exposure to in the wild code as much Mm. as possible and there are places to do that there's like a lot of services out there where uh much like github where you would have to pay to make it private but if you want to have it um public or it's free basically right and there's even stuff with sql and everything like that where you can get real data you know more easily um or or you can join the next analytics apprenticeship cohort yes hosted by silvertone analytics that's what i meant (laughs) that's actually Um, that's your first option yeah all this shit on or stuff excuse me that i'm saying (laughs) man i made it almost this whole time yeah (laughs) uh Uh, is 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 another thing to do so what i was kind of trying to say just to wrap up real quick uh pete is that you know getting exposure to the people talking in the street or in the bar or something like that is a totally different ball game than looking at it in a book. Right. Yeah. So, um, it'll, the book will help you. Don't get me wrong. In fact, you, you might suck at talking to people in the street or whatever, if you've never looked at the book, um, mm. so much, but, um, yeah, so that's, 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 that's to answer. Hopefully that answers kind of answers your question, uh, in terms of the linguistically, I actually don't, maybe it helps a little bit. I don't think about that all that often. I think it probably does, but, uh, you know, the facility with languages, but I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't really considered that all that much, but does that answer your question? Yeah, that's phenomenal. Uh, so, um, actually related to that was sort of the, uh, so my son at one point had a, uh, an astronaut that visited his school and he talked about mathematics is the language of the universe. Yeah. And that same sort of idea that kind of, he, he was not a big math guy, had some, some math trauma, uh, <laughs> which we won't and get relate, into, but, relate. um, yeah. And, and that's part of the question too, is, is going from 
he had a, a teacher who loved math and and started to to create a new love of math in for him. But this cool professor that you were talking about, um, who really loved the the stats mm -hmm. and uh, she was super cool. She was super passionate about it. What about her passion? What what resonated for you? How did that how did that bring you along that stream? And and maybe as a psych guy, you can explain some of that for us as as well. Um, anyway, no, that's a great great question. And and so much of having learned how to teach properly more or less uh not that i always did that but so much of it is positive affect mm. so like just okay. being positive like and you could probably extrapolate that out to a lot of the other stuff that we've talked about today is like so much of it is attitude uh, including with yourself and everything and you know we all have faced that discouragement or whatever from time to time um so encouraging not accept a good teacher like that professor just not accepting also someone's resignation so to speak like you know what i'm saying so like yeah. with stats statistics i'm pretty sure it's one of those classes that let's be real guys i know we're kind of data science people but the the vast majority of the population when they see that they have to take a statistics class is not a reaction of being overjoyed. I think yeah. that's fair to say. <laughs> so there's, I think there's a pretty common belief of like, that's not for me. Like mm -hmm. I can't understand this. And just the um, somewhat, you know, the psychological overwhelm of seeing the formulas sometimes. And that also goes, that applies to code as well. Sometimes, I don't know if this happens to you guys, but you just open up something and you see all the stuff. And I it's got like- no idea what I'm looking at. I And I actually know it if I calm down yeah. and read it. And actually going back to your, your previous question um, about language is that, that's another thing too, is that will happen to me uh, with big chunks of text also, especially if it's in another language, I'll be like, I can't read that. Like the, the brain, I can't read that. I can't do that's not for me mm. and i and I, i'm like wait a minute i actually understand this so what makes a good professor like that very positive and very encouraging and also just kind of like she somewhat stolidly would just be like if someone was like i can't do this, this is too harsh like why not i i think there's no reason you can't do it you're here like you have a brain like you can you can do this and a lot of us with math you know as you as you pointed out there's math trauma is like a thing right or a, a lot of us kind of have experiences from when we were younger of uh not that didn't go too well for whatever reason and maybe it's the way it was being taught or whatever but people need that encouragement and in addition to all it's a positive affect encouraging people which are kind of related also telling a story with it at the mm. end of the day people want a good story and actually when i was teaching we had these things called instructional coaches where they would basically like help us out and some of them were good and some of them yeah but i had a really good one yeah he was awesome teddy shout out to teddy if he's out there somewhere 
probably won't hear this, but he Never gave know. me a book and it was about how to give a good TED talk because I was mm -hmm. having trouble like explaining stuff to this one particular class that was like really rowdy. And he's basically, like, dude, everybody likes a story. Always start with a story. Always start with like a personal story. And he's like, the more funnily unrelated it can sound to begin with, and you somehow bring it back to being about the topic. Yeah. People will get into it. And I will answer, I've just got to say one more thing about this. There's an incredible, incredible statistics book. Everyone should get it, in my humble opinion. <laughs> called uh discovering statistics and there's an spss version there's an r version so discovering statistics through spss or through r base i think there's even a SAS one too mm. the platform in my opinion doesn't matter it's about statistics the the science of statistics it's not really about the programs that's like a tangential part of it almost mm -hmm. this professor that wrote this is a psych professor but it's about statistics in general <laughs> Just throughout the entire book, he like is just joking around throughout the whole time and just kind of like self-referentially like deprecating statistics. He's like, this is super boring, I know, but I have to explain this to you guys. And it's just, it's like what so many of us are thinking when we're reading it, that it was probably in addition to the professors being cool they were like you need to get this book like everyone mm -hmm. and i use that book in the classes and i really recommend everyone takes a look at it there's like little drawings in the margins at one point there's like a stick figure jumping off like as if the text is a big cliff it's like jumping off the cliff and i think it has like a little bubble saying like i can't take this statistics anymore <laughs> it's incredible and it, it, in addition to being an amazing explanation of everything. So positive affect, humor, stories, and encouraging people, basically. Um, and those are all things you can do for yourself as well. Yeah. There we go. Nice. Yeah, man. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, really well, actually. Oh, thanks. Well, glad. I'm glad. Yeah. So... Um, so one one thing, just real quick, if we yeah, have time, sure. Hunter. I yes. do, I do. Uh, that um, that you were double clicking on something that Alex had said, Hunter, when um, he said uh, I showed them the the stuff that I've done, but just before that, Alex, you were you were starting to say, and this is putting you on the spot. Sorry, that's fine. You were saying some of the best advice that I got was. Okay. I mean, I didn't finish a thought. And uh, well, I, I'll I'll uh, I'll pass that along to Hunter because he said, "Hold on, from that best advice you've ever gotten as a tease, oh, no. <laughs> or the double clicking on the uh, on the I showed them the stuff that I've done." So I I'm not sure we may have to review the recording to see what the context was around that, but some of the great advice, it sounds that you, you got was one was the idea of, of not just learning a thing, but it's, it's the see one, do one, teach one concept of like, if you think you know something, turn around and teach it. And then you also talked about good advice that you were getting from like a fang friend who was just brutally like, Yes, I know your heart is around that. And and so I'm a, an older professional as well. 
and I've got like years of stuff on my resume that it's like, I don't know that anybody in statistics land cares that I was on a campaign in 1993 doing whatever and, and all of that. And so, um, John David's tried to, uh, to do a very fine job of, of bringing a scalpel to mm-hmm. some of that, or at least advising the scalpel. But, but what were some of the things maybe that you, you jettisoned and maybe not specific things, but maybe categories of things around mm-hmm. that. And, and if any of that jogs, uh, as well, some of the best advice you ever got as well, feel free, free and throw that in as a bonus as well. But, okay. So, did Hunter start to say the best advice he's ever got, or I said that? And didn't you started to say it, but you were you were yeah, you were um, encouraged <laughs> to fill out another nugget you had thrown out there. Oh, shall we say, dude, I'm color me shocked that I didn't finish something I started to say. Um, <laughs> so, I think what I was going to say for best advice I ever got, and I might have to have you remind me in a second. The first part of this question. Um, I think I was, it was just show them something basically. Mm. That's what I was going to say is like, even if you don't think it's good. And I've also had many times I thought my analysis of something mathematically was wrong. And I'm like, I'm, I, you know, handed it over saying, I'm sure this is wrong, but here, I'm like, no, it looks good. This is right. Like these are the right numbers, you know? And so just showing them something, um, I think some of us are very self-critical about whether this project is good enough or whatever. I know I've got stuff on here on my computer and repositories and stuff that I should probably put out there because it's good enough at this point, but I'm a little bit of a perfectionist sometimes. And, uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's what I was going to say. It was like, just show them something because something is a lot more than a lot of people have done in terms of like like infinitely more than nothing it's infinitely more than nothing that is exactly right and like i have this boldness to just show you something so i think that's what i was going to say um apologize for my just frenetic delivery sometimes um not at all. And, and Hunter is the, the king of reminding us of, um, this doesn't have to be perfect. Let's yeah. keep working on it. Yeah. And if we don't have the right answer, well, let's just keep working on it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? At a job, they're usually just going to say, well, keep doing it till it's right. <laughs> you need it to be done, <laughs> you know, or yeah. they'll help you with it. Like yeah. something will help usually like you can ask a lot of the time. Um, I like to, I like to say that at least in the last month, the technical skills aspect of our apprenticeship cohort is run pretty much like how an analytics team would go. Yeah. Where it's like, nice. Hey guys, this is what I worked on this week. This is where I'm at. I don't know what I'm doing from here. Let's all figure it out together. Kind of deal. Yeah. You know? And, and, and I think to, um, and I'm going to get to the second, or the, actually it was the first part of your question. I am the second part first, just, I like to make everything confusing. Man. <laughs> um, yeah. I think John David talks about this a lot is that like, sometimes I think I've heard him say, and he can correct me later, 
but that some of his most sort of successful analytics projects were not technically complicated in the mm-hmm. sense of like it had the most business effect, right? The most business impact was not an insanely complicated algorithm that no one can understand. It was sometimes just displaying the data in a different way that they had not, the stakeholders had not seen before, or simply just drawing their attention to something that maybe didn't even require an analysis. Like it was really just like, hey, look, here's the data in visual form. Mm-hmm. And maybe you've never seen it like that before. And I can attest to that in a general way being mm-hmm. incredibly helpful a lot of the time is that I'm not even doing, I mean, don't get me wrong, sometimes it gets a little weird, like what you have to do. And sometimes, you know, the the syntax and queries get crazy. Don't get me wrong, it does happen. Uh, and sometimes with frequency, depending on what you're working on. Sometimes it's literally just putting like what's already there in a visual format and people have never seen it before. And they're just like, oh my God, like this has way more than this. And in a table, you can't really tell as easily, but as soon as you put it into a change, nothing about it, default bar graph, it's just like, oh my God, like we didn't see this one. Yeah. It's telling the story you were talking about. Exactly. That's it. That's it, you know, and you don't even have to make different colors or anything. It's just like, literally they see it and they're like, oh my God, that's what we need to do is this one, you know? Providing so, that clarity. To speak very generally, if you guys understand what I'm saying, but um, to get back to your question. So what were some of the things that I jettisoned? So I would say, and, and again, this is something that John David talks about. I imagine he probably has talked to you guys about it is, you know, your domain knowledge, a lot of the time is the difference maker. So sometimes things in your past or whatever, including things you might not think are a big deal at all. And shoot, you might have known that job. You didn't really even do anything there or something like that, but it might look for whatever reason to a future employer, it might look great. Just Mm -hmm. the name of whatever it is, you know what I mean? So I tried to keep most of the, I think there were some, you know, kind of clerical jobs or whatever I took off there. And that was, I was sort of like in agreement with that. Like that didn't really matter, but getting somebody's advice. And I would argue also not just one person's advice because Mm. I actually did not exclusively take just that person's advice. I got a couple people to look at it and you will get, as I'm sure you guys know, more than one opinion about everything having to do with resumes and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's some general advice that most people will tell you, but beyond that, those general couple things, I mean, one page or two pages, like all the, there's all this stuff like that. Um, So, you know, you have to kind of find what works for you. I would say one of the main things I took off there was, man, I thought I had some incredible descriptions of stuff that I'd done. Mm. Just laudatory, like, you know, these are just incredible stuff that I've worked on. He's like, get rid of that. <laughs> it's like, and I'd spent, it was kind of cool actually, because it takes a while to write that stuff sometimes. Like a lot sure. of the descriptions of like what you worked at. The imagery, and, you know. As a, yeah. <laughs> Got to use some good adverbs in there. Yeah. But that was a kind of a, a almost a blessing. He's like, yeah, nobody's going to look at that. 
just mm. let's put about your more, and this is just like what I do personally. Some people might say, oh, wow, what a terrible thing. But about the more relevant jobs have more description and numbers. Everyone's going to tell you this and they're right. State your impact, you know, and you don't necessarily have to say, you know, made $5 billion for the company, but there's a way to quantify your impact in anything. Right. Um, don't be disingenuous, of course, but like there's a way to do it. Um, and so, yeah, just jettisoning a bunch of like, you know, stuff that I thought was like so well written, basically. And they're just like, yeah, no one wants to see that. No one cares. Um, I kept most of the actual job experiences because sort of different advice I got was that like, you've done a bunch of different things. So you're capable it shows that you're capable of learning mm -hmm. and adapting to different environments or whatever so that that's that was the advice that i was given um by some other people and so yeah i, I just try to clean it up and delete things out of there and just psychologically speaking we're attracted to this marketing people being on this too it's like a resume is a marketing document so making something look nice goes a long way. Like even if it's totally like non-substantive changes, but just like, you know, deleting things, even to just free up space mm -hmm. like, helps. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. And that, uh, I've spent a lot of my time in, in direct response, uh, a lot in mail and, and white space is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and to your point, uh, people, People are in a hurry yes. and, uh, and they want to go fast. Yes. And, uh, and if you can, can bring the language down to a point that they can take it in fast, that's mm -hmm. not being, um, uh, it's not looking down on them mm -hmm. or expecting less of them. It's actually being kind to them, yeah. uh, to mm -hmm. make it accessible and clear. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I heard somebody say one time, it's, I, I definitely saw Albert, we got to give a shout out to Albert Bellamy here too. I, I love Albert. I think he said he had a post the other day just about like, it's not a list of, I think he said this, he's like, it's not a list of the most incredible things you're really proud of. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, because he was talking about, uh, you know, some trainings he had done in the military and like mm -hmm. there, you know, I hope I don't misstate this, Albert, don't hurt me if I'm wrong about this, but he basically said, um, you know, these are super prestigious honors and, and anybody in the military, anybody in the Marines knows like this is, wow, he has that. That's incredible. You know, but he's basically like, dude, the data, data hiring manager has no idea what that is. <laughs> like they, they, you might get lucky. So he was kind of saying, I think, you know, you can have it on there. Like maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe their brother was a Marine who knows, right. Or they were, who knows, mm -hmm. but you just kind of want to know your audience. Right. Mm. And, mm. and you might have been really proud of, you know, your first place Pinewood Derby victory or whatever, but <laughs> the Boy Scouts or something, but you don't, you don't need to put that on there. Um, so it'd be kind of hard news to hear sometimes, but sure. So, well, so we're, as we're approaching now, mm. it's an hour and 15 minutes almost. Oh, man. I'm shocked. Um, <laughs> which by the way, time flies when you're having fun, obviously. I hope you guys have been having fun. I hope I haven't been rambling on too much, but 
This has been wildly entertaining and informative, which is a great combination. So thank you for that. Oh man, no, my pleasure. It's been, thank you guys so much for, you know, having me on here and yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, I I'll say, I'll say, so our key takeaways here, Alex, I would say, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say, uh, show, show the work you've done, show who you, show what you want to do on your resume mm -hmm. and, uh, and help, help me out here. Help me out here. Yeah. I would just say, I, I mean, don't get discouraged either. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. Cause like all humans, especially people that have been getting into this field, like have some degree of self doubt, you know, mm -hmm. of like, what am I getting myself into? Um, basically don't, allow yourself to be the judge of that hmm. just don't get discouraged try to stay uh curious um and i would actually add one more thing that i didn't talk about that much hunter and i promise i won't go on a huge like diatribe about it right now but just be cool be cool hmm. just be nice like so much uh in my experience the professional world is is this person a cool person? Would I want to be around them? I'm not saying cool isn't popular or something like that, but like, are they a, are they nice? Are they amicable? Dude, are they amicable? Great word, man. Awesome. Are they amicable? That's right. Like, are they, I heard somebody talk about, they gave people, they give people the airport test. Would I, we want to be stuck in an airport for five hours with this person. You know what I mean? Sure. And I don't think they're saying you have to be super interesting, but it's just like, be nice, like be cool. Like mm -hmm. I've seen at different jobs throughout my life, like, you know, people that maybe aren't necessarily the prodigies of all time at doing their job, but they're so nice and everybody loves them they're never going to get fired because it's just like we, the team would be nothing without them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just nice. You don't have to be the greatest person ever, but just nice. Mm -hmm. But I've seen people that are really good at their job, incredibly good at it technically, but nobody gets along with them and they're very grading personalities. And I'm not talking about stuff by accident. It's like, they're kind of purposely not being nice. Yeah and not nearly as much shit gets done and sometimes they're they're gone you know because people just can't they might be a genius but you can't tolerate them and so in my experience just being kind to people goes a long long way being polite like and, and, and as professional as you can be and sometimes in the hiring process man i completely get it you might get ghosted or something like that. I mean, this is the day we, the age we live in, right? People like setting up an interview, not showing up or whatever, but mm -hmm. trying your hardest to be nice and be professional and, mm -hmm. and not lash out or anything like that. And just, you know, uh, to quote the, the, the great Omar Little from The Wire, it's all in the game, baby. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's how it is. And, and uh, just trying to be polite and nice. So that's just another thing I really wanted to add there. Um, probably my southern upbringing my, my dad's like from small town in virginia so he's like you get you always told me like you get a long way in the working world by being polite with people being nice and having being, integrity being courteous yeah exactly yeah. so yeah 
Well, so that sounds like some great advice to end on. Alex, Pete, it's been a pleasure having you both come on. Um, and uh, thank you so much for giving us giving us your time. It's been a great help, I'm sure. Oh, man, I, I, I can't thank you enough, Hunter, and, and you, John, Dave, and everybody. I, I really appreciate it. Pete, it's been awesome. Uh, you guys want to do it again? You want to <laughs> listen to my ravings again? I'll be glad to do it and yeah thank you so much yeah i'd love to get the band back together again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely dude definitely well thank thank you everybody for listening and uh we're gonna see you in the next podcast episode coming out next week so cool. take care guys and we'll see you soon awesome thanks so hey i hope you really enjoyed this episode i'm curious were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned one thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.